The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, episode 51. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. Hey everybody, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter, a.k.a. Father Fett, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. Today we're discussing Star Wars Rebels Season 3, Episode 20, Twin Sons. And joining me on the paddle today are, first of all, Angela Cialana. Hey, Angela. The holocron sent me here. <laughs> Are you sure it was the holocron? <laughs> uh, second up this evening, we have Thomas Sanherjo. It's good to be here. I was wondering if I should get down my Sith holocron again. Just have that sitting <laughs> ominously in the yes. background, right? <laughs> right, right. And third this evening is Mike Creevy. I can't resist. Hello there. <laughs> there it is. Another spoiler. Perfect, perfect episode for that. <laughs> Uh, so we are talking uh, Rebel Season 3, Episode 20, Twin Sons, which is the the final confrontation between Obi-Wan and Maul. As, as usual, I will throw out to you guys first, what was your uh, initial impressions, or if you remember your initial impressions, or your <laughs> re-initial impressions of, of this particular episode? I've only watched this episode like 20 times. <laughs> <laughs> Every time somebody talks about Maul and his and his arc, I have to go back and watch this episode to kind of, you know, remind myself of the end of his arc because it's mm -hmm. it really is such a well scripted moment. Uh, it, it very deep. Like even the first time you see it, you still you know the first time it came out, we really didn't know that much about Maul. Like he was still not as mm -hmm. central a figure as he has become since then. So it's yeah. The more the more you learn about him, the more you want to go back and rewatch this scene. Yeah, um, for me, um, watching it, yeah, like probably the 20th or 30th time, I would say this time I got Christ in the desert vibes for sure. Mm. Um, a lot of the Ooh. theme of temptation and um, distraction. So mm. that was kind of neat. Well, and uh, you know, I have not seen it quite that many times. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny, the... Um, and we'll see this throughout. This has been a theme that's been coming up as I'm kind of doing a lot of read throughs, some of the um, Star Wars novels lately, whenever uh, events are taking place in that sort of interim period between the fall of the Republic and, you know, the uh, events of the original trilogy. And it's like, I never really gave it much thought. All the different sort of ways you can explore the frustration surrounding Obi-Wan being out of the picture you know, and being alive and how easy it would be. Like you have all these different characters across all these different, um, you know, books. And, and then in this case too, they bring it up with, you know, Hera at one point talking to Ezra about like, you know, Obi-Wan, like what, well, if he were around, wouldn't he be with us? Like, so just mm -hmm. 
the whole just the reality of his time on Tatooine for all these years, you know, is is just something that you can explore so much. And of course, I'm glad they're doing that in a show. So, <laughs> yeah. So that that was I couldn't help but think of ways to ostensibly to watch that when it comes out, knowing that it's it's taking place probably I, I, you know a good amount of time before you know this particular episode in the timeline because mm-hmm. I think they said that show's going to kick off like eight years after episode three or something. And this is what, like 19 or 18, right. something like that, you know, yeah, more or, uh, less. or at least 15 or 16 or something. So, um, so yeah, just even though it's, that's not a long part of the episode, the whole build up to like this mystery, you know, of the, the, you know, of Obi-Wan out there somewhere, you know, um, yeah, I, I really, I really liked it a lot. It was neat. Yeah. Uh, Angela, I, I, uh, appreciated your your comment about Christ in the desert and sort of thing because Obi Wan totally has the the almost the the Saint Anthony of the desert sort of mm-hmm. vibe to the hermit you know and right. um, you know like he could very well be an instrumental part of the rebellion but he chooses to separate himself from the world of course to to protect Luke but but you know but that's what that's what those who are cloistered and hermits do too is they just kind of they remove themselves from the world in order to dedicate themselves to that uh to that time in prayer um and uh i i watched the the rebels recon uh for this and uh found that mm. incredibly enlightening in fact uh because i had some issues with this with this episode and that that actually kind of helped uh tie things tie some things together for me uh but they had mentioned in rebels recon that that they suspected that that uh, Obi-Wan spent the majority of his time meditating. Uh, so mm-hmm. that kind of fits that too, of course. And we, we know that, that Qui-Gon is probably teaching him how to become one with the Force as well during that time. So we might get to see some of that in the, in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Mm. But, Yay! Um, Here's open. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe they'll bring some Qui-Gon back. Because up till now, I, I believe all they've officially given us is Yoda like as a passing... You know, oh yeah, hey Obi Wan. By the way, teach you to commune with him. I will. Yeah, right. yeah. Oh, okay, and then it's just all right. <laughs> and, then, and we know that it happens Alec because Guinness, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Um. So my my impressions of this episode was, uh, first of all, I was sort of just frustrated with Ezra. Like, <laughs> how many times are you going to fall for Maul's tricks? And he, you know, continues to to fall with that. Um. But seeing obi-wan and maul is is of course really that kind of the whole point of the episode ezra's just sort of the the mm. conduit to get to get to that point um yeah and and my initial uh beef with this episode and i think a lot of people shared this was how quick the the actual battle was between obi-wan and and maul that's my favorite part that's my favorite <laughs> yeah, part too. of the whole thing it, it's just it's so measured yeah, and precise, and he he had the whole battle planned out before it even started. You know, and that that to me was like that was the impactful thing. Like Obi Wan has grown so much mm-hmm. from when the from from the first fight with Maul, and and Maul has changed, but he hasn't grown, and that's you you see that in that final fight. I guess uh, to to kind of to talk about that because I uh, that's not to jump ahead, but. Uh, <laughs> That that but was exactly <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was that was exactly uh, what Rebels Recon kind of helped me to piece together because the yeah. initial, it, <laughs> the first time watching it, it was like I had to like rewind it and be like, wait, wait, <laughs> that was it. Um, but 
uh, Rebels Recon does make the, the same sort of points is that you almost in the, the lead up before the, the initial swing from Maul, uh, Maul and Kenobi are like, yeah, playing through the battle in their mind already because they know mm-hmm. they know each other so well and they're they're you're fighting their fighting style. Um, but also what Rebels Recon pointed out, which I absolutely loved, was that the 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 move that Maul attempts to do on Kenobi is the move that killed Qui-Gon. Mm-hmm. And Kenobi doesn't doesn't fall for that, but actually that's that's uh where he is able to strike Maul down, which I thought was a really, really cool thing. We can get more into that later, but yeah. that was that was well, I've still got a lot of stuff to say about Ezra too. So we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So, I mean, so uh, see you guys next time. <laughs> That's right. On Secrets of Star Wars episode, episode. Four, 52. <laughs> That's um, so mean. <laughs> no, we've still got to talk through the, the, the whole episode. So stick with us, listeners. Um and uh we'll we'll get there. So the uh, the episode does start off with uh, the 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 vast landscapes of Tatooine, um, which uh, Filoni points out that that uh, he wanted to show these incredibly vast landscapes of, of Tatooine. In fact, I think this is the first time Tatooine has showed up in Rebels as well, uh, which is pretty cool. But we uh, we we hear Maul sort of just kind of mumbling to himself and that he can feel the presence um, of Kenobi in his mind's eye and, and he's, he, but he doesn't know where he is. And so we have these vast scenes from the, the desert of Tatooine and uh, Phil only pointed out that, that he did this in order to, to show that even though Maul narrowed down the planet on which Kenobi was, how vastly difficult it was to pinpoint his location on the planet. So mm-hmm. those opening scenes just give this vast, immense sense of, of the planet and, and Maul uh, can't, can't actually find uh, where Kenobi is. So Maul comes up with a plan to draw Kenobi out. And so all we see before the opening Rebels logo is that he opens his hand, revealing uh, the holocron that he, he had from, from Malachor. Um, and then we, after the opening, uh, logo, we jump to, to chopper base and Ezra and Zeb are sleeping and Ezra is woken by the vo- the voice of, of Kenobi, uh, which was a really, really cool thing because they were able to have James Arnold Taylor play that particular part, the, the transmission from, from Kenobi. And then, um, uh, Stephen Stanton actually does the voice of of more of the Alec Guinness portrayal of Kenobi right. later on in the on the in the episode. Uh, so he he hears this uh, the voice of of Kenobi and uh, finally gets out of bed to go check it out and realizes that, that it's a um, it's a well it's a repeating transmission from Kenobi's warning to the Jedi across the galaxy uh, that he sent at uh, the end of Revenge of the Sith. I think um, as I was watching this kind of more analytically this time, the fact that Kenobi, the clip that is used where Kenobi says this is a warning for any surviving Jedi, it was sort of like, um, I don't know, maybe foreshadowing to like a tiny bit, because in a way, this was almost like, like Ezra should have known better, you know, like he's a, <laughs> yeah. like he and Kanan are sort of the surviving Jedi, like in this kind of world that we know in, in rebels. And, um, 
you know, besides Ahsoka, but she's not a Jedi. And so, um, yeah, I just thought like, wow, that's kind of cool that it's almost, I mean, we know what it's from, but if you sort of put that in context um, of Ezra looking at this thing, um, it should be a warning for him, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that it's not actually a transmission from Obi-Wan himself, but that it's just a Mm. recording from a long time ago. Mm. I I was pretty impressed by the way it plays because it plays almost like it's a burnout recording, you know, like it's, it's got that kind of scratchiness to it and the flickering and, um, that, that just lends to that. Well, this is just something that's been summoned up to, to, to trick the gullible basically. And that's, you know, so it should have been a warning and, it's it's interesting that that that's not something that he's seen before. I'm I'm intrigued about that too. Like that's not something that's that he's been exposed to before. But I, but knowing uh, Kanan, that's that, that makes sense too. Like he wouldn't want to relive any of that. So yeah. Well, and and then um, at the end of that kind of broken up transmission, Ezra does hear Maul's voice uh, mm-hmm. saying Kenobi's name and. <laughs> And this is where I, I just, I kept like, even in my notes over and over again, I just kind of wrote like, come on, Ezra. Like <laughs> he should have recognized it as um, a warning or, you know, a trick. Uh, and yet, uh, I mean, he definitely knows that that Maul is back and, and tells Kanan who who walks in. But um, Ezra's, Ezra's still a bit uh, young and brash and, and, uh, and decides... Uh, ultimately he decided to, to go off to to investigate but that's uh here in just a little bit i think i think ezra also has a unique connection to maul or mm. maybe the other way around because maul the the more you learn about him and the more you learn about his position he's like a wild animal that's that's been caged by so many different things and keeps escaping and keeps surviving and keeps like kind of scrapping himself back together just to live um that Cain, or, or Ezra's um, connection to uh, animals, the way that he can empathize with mm-hmm. animals so much, it's almost like Maul just attracts that part of him because there's something just base and animalistic about the way Maul does things. And he's, uh, he's drawn to that, whether it's to, to try and save it or to try and connect with it or to try and destroy it because he knows that it's, it's injured and damaged. Uh, I don't know, but I think that's that's something that's in innate inside of Ezra that draws him to, to Maul in a way that none of the others want to be anywhere near him. <laughs> I yeah. think on a more basic level, the two of them were they worked together to mm-hmm. enter that Sith temple. Um, so they both used dark side powers together yeah. as a pair in order to mm-hmm. yeah to do that. So um, I think that must have. I mean, I remember when I first watched the, this episode and I was a little bit baffled, you know, why why Ezra would continue to go down this path with Maul. But I think that was sort of my uh, mm. my headcanon that I kind of made up, you know, that, that they must be so tied because of that teamwork that they had to do together. Yeah, there there was definitely um we didn't we haven't talked about those episodes yet, but there's there's episodes in this season where they they work together to to combine I think the Sith and the Jedi Holocron or or to to gain to gain knowledge Ezra Ezra wants to gain knowledge on how to destroy the Sith and um and there's there's some previous episodes where they have a more than just kind of a uh friendly connection but they have a, a force connection 
Uh, mm-hmm. So, so definitely, I think all of those are coming at at play and uh, pulling at Ezra in a way that that Kanan has no 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 uh, connection to. Um, so, well, and I think too the you know it's it's you see the theme of uh, and Filoni was so good on this a little while ago, but like this 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 recurring theme of fatherhood uh, in so many different ways it plays out all across this you know universe and 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 the empathy kind of i think between orphans or between those who have you know faced some sort of traumatic past and and that's by no means unique to these two in a sense but like you look at like maul's story and i you know i speaking of headcanon i I just finished the uh i finally got around to uh uh, james lucino's you know darth plagueis book which of course is not canon but you know, it's like so close to the Disney era and everything. And Lucino's writing other books that are, you know what I mean? So I, I like to pretend it's canon. basically. <laughs> and I think as long it, as it, it doesn't uh, contradict anything, you can totally call it canon. Yeah. And, I, and I'm a little hazy. I, I haven't read all the Darth Maul, like the comics and all that kind of stuff, but I know they touch on, you know, in, in, um, I think in Clone Wars and in, and in Rebels, I want to say we're more so in Clone Wars, but he's got a pretty messed up childhood, uh, if nothing else, you mm-hmm. know? Um, anyway, you look at it, but the way it's, it's just, I don't know the way I kind of see the relationship kind of playing out where it's, it's like Ezra kind of, I feel like he senses that there's something similar. You know, they, they both have this sort of loss, you know, or some yeah. experience of that, but it's so, it's such a great, I think it's a, it's a great little life lesson, you know, because it's like for us Christians too, like, yeah, like I'm supposed to empathize, you know, I'm reminded of Jesus's thing about, you know, like be as innocent as doves, but also as cunning as serpents. You know what I mean? Like you don't, right. you don't just automatically trust though someone who's been through a lot because maybe they want to do something bad to you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I, I really get that. Even though they don't, they're not together. Maybe in a whole lot of episodes, I always got watching them kind of together. The whole mall arc with with Ezra. I mean, he really could become his apprentice. You know, like mm-hmm. he really, like he could do it. Like he could go down that path and they they have him dance on that path i think just the right amount and mm-hmm. it's, it's i feel like it's believable yeah maul's sort of got the uh the fun uncle sort of vibe <laughs> yes. yeah and kanan's the, the, really the dad <laughs> yeah <laughs> the dangerous fun uncle yeah <laughs> i mean really good at magic tricks <laughs> <laughs> and they but but they but they do kind of at least sort of point that out even when when Ezra and when Maul shows up and Ezra's there and Ezra's sent off you know Maul looks at Ezra going away and says see you soon apprentice you know because he's still he's still kind of trying to to have that that kind of a a relationship but Kenobi uh Filoni pointed out that actually or not Filoni but one, one of them in the Rebels recall uh pointed out that some of his mannerisms towards Ezra are some of the same things that Obi-Wan has towards Luke in that kind of mentor kind of role, um, even Mm -hmm. in that, that brief scene. So uh, these, these things, yeah, continue to kind of pop up all over the place for sure. I should, by the way, warn everyone listening that there's a good chance I'm going to make like three or four connections to like, (laughs) I I think Harry Potter's coming up. (laughs) <laughs> Lord of the Rings and like two others just to be advised, even the other star series that we don't usually mention. Um, but but I, I almost the Harry Potter one was this because I, I, maybe we mentioned this before, but I do get this like like is is Ezra like the Neville Longbottom of, you know, like Star Wars? Like I, or well, then we had these questions about the child, too, from Mandalorian, who's some I mean, I don't know, a couple of years old at this point. What, 
30 or 40. I don't know because <laughs> he ages so yeah. differently. But yeah, I, I wonder like how far we're going to go. I guess the story kind of expands with this, like just to get a better idea of like, what's like, how's that work? You know what I mean? Cause like you watch the original trilogy and that's always, I wouldn't say frustrating, but kind of for me, cause it's like, and I know other people brought this up too. Like Yoda very clearly is telling Luke, like the last of the Jedi you are. And it's like, Oh, except like these 10 or 15 other people that are, <laughs> that are out there in the universe who might pull through at the last minute. Like it just makes you wonder, like, huh, how's that work? You know, that's part. That's part of why Disney had to reset the canon because yes, there were so yeah. many right. Jedi who survived <laughs> Order sixty six. Yeah, yeah. Vader through. was really sloppy as it as it turns out. But they but they do allude to that even in this episode. Uh, as Maul dies, he asks if if uh, if if it's the chosen one that that Kenobi is protecting, and mm-hmm. you know, Kenobi says yes. I mean, but okay, the chosen one was technically Anakin, but. Oh, Kenobi's referring to That's Luke, who is Luke, yeah. uh, right, right. But you know, watching the original trilogy, Luke is the hero. He is the the one who ultimately, you know, at least in well, the trilogy, they also you know, they also have that moment in the original trilogy where Yoda and um, Yoda and uh, Ben sit down, and, and Yoda says, oh, "Well, there yeah. is the sister." Yeah. <laughs> Well, there, well, there is are other... we really having a who is the chosen one discussion <laughs> right now? No, How long is this podcast going to be? <laughs> yeah, because that's what we what we didn't realize tonight was when Yoda says no, there was another you know, Ezra, Baby Yoda. I didn't know. <laughs> you can yeah, count the list. Ray in three Ray, years. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there are many others. Okay. On a on a completely random side note, I just saw that scene where where Ben and Yoda have that discussion because. At our local movie theater, they are playing The Empire Strikes Back. Oh yeah, how'd that go? Five bucks. So I totally it was it was amazing. Oh, bad. Like to see to see one of the original trilogy in theaters when I never mm-hmm. have before. Totally worth every cent that I spent. I spent more money on popcorn, but totally <laughs> worth it. So well, that's I don't know, how old are you guys were? Because I think I think Thomas, you're a little older than me, but I, I was well, I think what thirteen or so when the special editions came out. You know, so that was like, you know, going to the theater yeah. and seeing it. But I mean, that was the only time I did that. And it was just like so awesome. I know some people are like opening drive-ins and stuff now because yeah. of like the pandemic and stuff. <laughs> so I was listening to some some folks who got to go see it. Um, or I don't know if it was, I think they saw Rise of Skywalker. But, you know, seeing Star Wars in a drive-in must be cool. Mm-hmm. So I've never done that. Better to do that in the summertime when you can like sit in the yes. back of a pickup truck. And uh, back back to Star Wars Rebels, though, since we've kind of... Traverse the uh, the unknown regions <laughs> in our tangents. Around um, we're out into chiss space now. So, oh no! <laughs> Speaking of that, we're going to learn more about that come yeah. September mm-hmm. with the the new uh, Thrawn book, which will be yes. which will be great. Um, anyways, uh, back to family themes because that's kind of the the, the core of this of the show. Um, the, the, the next morning after, uh, Ezra is, uh, woken up by the, by the holocron, uh, they have, a, they have a family meeting about this and, uh, trying to figure out what this means. And, and, uh, Kanan, uh, isn't sure what the, what the message means. And Ezra is pretty sure it means that Kenobi could be alive and in danger. Um, and we had a, a, a subtle nod here to, uh, um, because Rex, Rex says that uh, he'd love for General Kenobi to be alive, but that Senator Senator Organa confirmed his death, um, which was a, a cool nod back to um, 
I mean, episode three, I mean, Senator Organa knows that Kenobi survived. So, uh, you know, we know that he's covering for him. Um, and Ezra is convinced uh, that it could be a sign that he's alive. And everybody keeps pointing out how <laughs> unlikely it is to be real and valid. And Hera points out that it could be a broken recording. And Kanan points out that Maul has manipulated Ezra in the past and this could be a trick. And Ezra is adamant that he wants to go to Tatooine and check it out. And then has Hera pulls him aside and kind of has this, this, yeah, mom, mom, son sort of talk and, and tells him, you know, uh, how important it is for Ezra to be there with them because they're preparing for the attack on Lothal, which happens in the, the episode immediately following this is the, the finale of season three. And Ezra, you know, still is, is thinking that, that if Kenobi's alive, he'd be a great help. And this is the, the, the part that you mentioned, Mike, that uh, Hera makes the point that if Kenobi was alive, why would he be hiding on some backwater world instead of helping the rebellion? She tells Ezra that she needs him here because there's too much at stake. That's great wisdom from our, our show friend, Vanessa Marshall. So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and isn't that kind of a meme to that conversation? Like, like you can just see Hera like saying that you know he wouldn't be on some backwater planet or whatever and then it's like meanwhile back at the ranch and you see like Obi-Wan like tending a fire or something like <laughs> cleaning up after the do back or you know there's something that's what was going menial. on in my mind yeah. <laughs> he just looks up for a moment realizing someone's talking about him distance away <laughs> his ears are burning right he's frustrated he's like you know Anakin just had to come from this planet. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. It's not exactly it's like, miserable. you know, the sandy beaches of Hawaii, yeah. sort of. Right. Well, yeah, like, God forbid the Chosen One be from Naboo. Like, yeah, we didn't send him back to be with his mother's family. No, we had to send <laughs> Yeah, and two sons. Okay, well, we got to get there first, and Ezra has to get to Tatooine first. And in order to get to Tatooine, Ezra... Uh, steals an A-wing. Lieutenant, oh. you're not authorized to do that. Right. <laughs> and She's then, not even really trying to stop him. <laughs> yeah, right? He's like climbing up the ladder. Uh, you can't. Like, I, and Ezra's like, like, like even fakes, like, I can't hear you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> it's like, I think I had that guy in my unit back in the army days. Like, you know, like no, stop. Like, okay. <laughs> I think my favorite part of the whole thing, though, is somehow in all of that, Chopper yes. snuck on the A-wing. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, how does a droid sneak onto an A-wing behind you? It is Chopper. My first watch through, I didn't even, I didn't even notice. They, they have a scene where you can see Chopper and he like, uh-huh. he like runs or disappears behind one of the other uh, ships. It did not at all click in my mind that that meant he was going to go stow away on the, on the A-wing. Uh, but he does. Ezra hops in this A-wing, takes off, says, uh, hopes that Hera can, can forgive him for that. And they they get to Tatooine and Chopper Chopper surprises Ezra uh, before before he descends onto the planet. And um, and then uh, he Ezra isn't exactly sure where to go. So he grabs the the holocrons that he has in his hands and sort of uh, they they sort of act like a compass. Uh, And he has Chopper kind of take him down into the into the onto the planet and the, the holocrons are glowing blue and are sort of directionally showing him where to go, which 
of course, is all just completely a, a ploy from Maul, but it it gets Ezra to to follow it. Um, and so they get to a point, um, kind of in this 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 uh, cavern or this uh, this canyon, and they set down, and Ezra continues to follow. He gets out of the A wing and and continues to follow the holocrons um, until it leads him to Maul's Sith holocron. And that's when Ezra realizes it's a trap. The trap. The uh, yeah. We need Admiral Akbar to pop up. <laughs> yeah, just just random scenes of Akbar. It's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. So there, but but he's he's attacked by Tuscan Raiders, which I I don't know if that was part of Maul's plan or not, but but that's kind of what happens. And uh, uh, Ezra Ezra and Chopper kind of fight off the the Tuscan Raiders on the ground. And they managed to completely destroy the A-Wing, which I thought was... That's, what are they shooting yeah. out of those things? <laughs> yeah. It's insane. <laughs> like, I know they took out pod racers in the, you know, in episode one, but an A-Wing's like, that's a starship, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess this is quite a bit, quite a bit of time later from pod racing. So maybe they, they stole some better equipment. Maul takes out the Tusken Raiders that are, that are kind of on the ridge. And, uh, so he's, he's obviously there watching Ezra and, uh, Ezra just kind of assumes that the explosion of the A-wing is that was what scared him off. But, um, of course it was, it was Maul who took out the ones on the ridge and Ezra, they have no choice. Ezra and Chopper have to go forward. So they, um, head off into, into the sand. Um, I sort of just, I put in my notes, I wasn't sure maybe this is the Dune Sea. Uh, this is in the similar geography of, of where Luke is. So anyway, so he, he heads out, they head off into the, to the, to the Dune Sea chopper. Chopper was a good, a good droid here. He, he initially wanted what I said, poor chopper. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he, yeah, he, he wants to go along the Ridge because he's going to get less sand in his, in his, in his joints and um, have less issues. And uh, Ezra has a vision of Maul off into the sand and uh wants to go into the sand and is going to go with or without chopper and he tells chopper that chopper can go along the ridge and find a settlement and contact home base if he wants and chopper starts to go that way and then just like a just like a kid grumbles and then goes and follows ezra that deep sigh though that that, (laughs) like a droid sigh right like just expels something i don't know what it is but you're just yeah the dejected mm. sigh from the droid <laughs> as he turns around to go in the sand that was awesome <laughs> he is one of the 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 best sort of droids that has human emotion and you can just kind of you can just you you don't need to know what he says you can just you can just tell you can tell yeah yeah in fact the, all the droids in star wars i think they do a really good job with with uh the the human emotional side of things. So they head out into this, into the, to the dune sea or to into the, into the sand and they hit the worst weather possible. They get caught in a sandstorm and in the words of little Anakin, sandstorms are very, <laughs> very dangerous. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> this must've been just a smaller one. Cause they, they, they don't really get beat up too bad. And, uh, but Ezra in the midst of this does see a a vision of Maul and here's, here's Maul. Um, I mean, ultimately kind of talking about his plan to, to draw Kenobi out because he's talking about, um, he says, your pain, your sorrow, it calls to him. 
And so the, the assumption is, is that Ezra's own pain and sorrow is what's calling out to, to Kenobi to, to draw him out. Um, and they, they keep going forward and they manage to, to get out of the sandstorm and the twin sons are beating down on them. Poor Chopper loses power and shuts down. And then Ezra laments that everything is his fault and that he should have just stayed home. Ezra again hears Maul and um, he again hears more of kind of that, that drawing of Kenobi. Um, and he's, he seems to be really sort of prompting Ezra to wallow in his own misery. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's saying that you failed your friends and you will die and, and um, kind of provoking him and, and leading him down that path of, of despair, which um, he thinks is going to draw Kenobi out. Ultimately, it, it probably does to some degree. And finally, Ezra leaps up and attacks empty air, thinking that he sees Maul in a vision. And, and ultimately, Maul's not there and he falls and um, he passes out from the heat as someone approaches. I totally got Lion King vibes here. <laughs> Just Lion a step King? in the sand. Like <laughs> Simba, Simba running yeah. off into the, into the desert and, and collapsing. So not Gotta not necessarily it's been a while like, since I've seen oh, Lion King. Well, I, <laughs> Obi-Wan, I don't Obi-Wan singing Hakuna Matata. <laughs> See, I, I got, it's, it's odd because I got I got uh, Prince of Egypt uh, Val Kilmer Moses stuck in the uh, sandstorm, you know, and then ending up at the uh, the camel watering hole for some reason. <laughs> How that many movie references head. are we going to make with this one? <laughs> a, a lot more than we probably should. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, I, I think it's a testament to the fact that you can you can see that that um, Filoni and and all of the crew knew that this was a big moment. They knew that yeah. that what they were about to do was was big, and it, and it's a testament to the fact that they knew it was big, and they knew they were going to make it big, and they they had all of the rest of the story to tell about Maul and about Obi Wan to t- and to flesh these characters out in a way that was much bigger mm-hmm. than what we'd even seen so far. Because these episodes came out in 2017, so right. you know there was still some of the Clone Wars was missing. There was still yeah. some some information missing about Maul and how important he was. Um, so you know it's it's a good it's a good good temperature gauge for where they were going with the story. Mm-hmm. Well, and this was what if correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was about a year before Solo. So you know mm-hmm. you didn't have yeah you know the the in the wake of this, you know, you have the kind of call back to him cinematically and stuff too. So like, yeah, they really have planted him so well, you know, uh, throughout over these years and really fleshed this character out. Yeah. And it, and it speaks to, to the, to the story as a whole, that this episode didn't have a whole lot of explanatory narrative. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you, you just, it, it assumes that you know exactly who Maul is, you know, who Kenobi is, you know, you know, tattooing and you know what's going on. Um, and you have the vast narrative of, of the other episodes and the movies and the books to, to fill that in, which is, and yeah, there, there's a lot there. But um, honestly, even if you don't know the backstory, mm-hmm. there are so many classic motifs in yeah. this mm-hmm. episode. That, that. And, you know, just the, just how the characters are built or how they were built by George Lucas, you know, Maul looking the way that he does speaking mm-hmm. the way that he does. Um, obviously Obi-Wan looking and speaking as he does. And we see that 
in a, you know, a little bit in the dialogue as well, but you really don't need to know the backstory. Um, mm, right. If you do, as with all Star Wars, it enriches it. But you can simply just enjoy, you know, the good versus evil um, plot here. Yeah. And, and that would be plenty. And the texture kind of of it. And that's, I was, Angela, it was so funny. I was just thinking the same thing. And I, what hit me was like, like the kind of wild Western almost like, right thing you know like he catches up with him in the desert at the campfire you know it's just yeah white, it's kind of white a, hat yeah yeah and they you know they know each other goes way back like that's that's kind of enough mm-hmm. the only thing that that you would be confused about if you only saw the movies was how did maul survive right uh, but right. but i think especially with solo and and everything there's enough out there that that people right. uh do realize that 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 maul survived that that fall in episode one and he's no longer, I can't help myself. He's no longer half the man he used to be. <laughs> it's still, it's still, I still feel bad for the guy. Come on. That was, that was rough. That was a bad day. <laughs> he does pretty well though with, with losing his legs, but he does. And and if there's one thing Star Wars tells us, it's if you want to take out an adversary, don't throw them down a pit. <laughs> right? Like it, it almost never works. Anyways. Uh, Back at the fire. Oh, that's going to come up again because I have a comment. We get done with the duel. I have a comment about it too. So yeah, uh, Kenobi Kenobi steps in and and uh, and saves Chopper and Ezra and and uh, it's it's nighttime and they're 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 by the campfire. Chopper's hooked up to a portable uh, power station, and uh, and Kenobi is is there and uh, is talking to Ezra and. Uh, tells him that he will help him get on his way once he has his strength. And uh, Ezra tells Kenobi that he's come to warn him about Maul. But of course, Kenobi already knows about Maul. Because Kenobi hasn't lived that long and, and gained that much experience to... or And he has gained that uh, that much experience to, to know when, when someone's trailing him and trying to find him. And um, Ezra is is all about being able to to fight Maul with Kenobi and and Kenobi has this line he says I had no intention of fighting him although that seems inevitable now and so we mm-hmm. we know we know that there's a fight coming at some point and then it, then we have some here's some references to um some of the the more uh the the Jedi kind of fate kind of realm uh Ezra is telling Kenobi that that the holocrons told him and this would have been in one of the previous episodes uh, again that we haven't uh, reviewed on the the podcast but the holocrons pointed out that that Kenobi is the one who is going to help them destroy the Sith and of course we know that that's it's not Kenobi specifically it's Kenobi's protecting the one who (laughs) is the key to destroying the Sith at least in the original trilogy anyway (laughs) (laughs) right um yeah uh so ezra continues to try to convince uh kenobi that that they need him in their fight against the empire uh and kenobi uh isn't he's he's not going to go go help ezra and um points out uh ezra ezra makes the comment that the the holocrons sent him to kenobi and Kenobi makes the point that the holocrons didn't, but it was Maul who did. And uh, that Maul used Ezra's desire to do good to deceive him, and that Maul 
manipulated the truth uh, to lead him to Tatooine where he never should have been in the first place. Okay, so I wrote down this whole, like, okay, this whole exchange. Oh, and I perfect. have a question. Okay, so he says, Obi-Wan says, um, Maul used your desire to do good to deceive you, and in doing so, he has altered the course of many things. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? <laughs> you know, like, what was mm-hmm. supposed to happen that is now happening differently because of all this that you could possibly imagine because i was racking my brain i was like wow what would that be you know that's a that's a really good question actually i think we need to go to the uh world between worlds Mm. wander around a little bit look through some mirrors (laughs) yeah that's a good question if i could ask dave filoni anything that might be the question that i would that would be be a good one well because i mean you could you could say it's well now we know that obi-wan's back in play but really the reason that leia asks for obi-wan's help is because because bail organa knew Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. he was still alive so he had passed that information on to her so it's not like this was a you know it's not like her asking him was because maul had finally found him or anything like that Mm -hmm. so yeah, I mean, I don't know what would what would it have been. And Ezra didn't go back and just broadcast that Kenobi was alive, right? Mm-hmm. So even Maul getting him to go to go to Tatooine and and discover that Kenobi was alive, that really didn't have any major consequences in the at least at least as far as we can tell in the in the movies or the the storyline. And you yeah. know, the whole question of whether or not he would have had some kind of linking up with Luke or, you know, cooperation with, with Luke, if he hadn't, you know, done the whole thing with, you know, taking, um, Thrawn off to God knows where, um, you know, mystery Mm -hmm. to be solved. Mm -hmm. Even so it's like, well, how would any of that have played out differently? You know what I mean? Like if, if he hadn't, cause he basically goes back home and kind of pretends this didn't happen. Right. You know, and kind of continues on. So yeah, that's, I have no idea. Even, (laughs) even Ezra's sort of, uh, temptation in the dark side, his, his connection with mm-hmm. Maul is never really, it doesn't really alter his life that, that drastically because he never right. really fully gives into it. They, they sort of kind of tease it out, but it's resolved fairly quickly. He just kind of get, you know, gets like a little angsty and, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not, I mean, right. It's nothing I don't see in the classroom every day. So, <laughs> wow. hey, that's the way it all started with Anakin, right? <laughs> that's that's true. It all started with Anakin. That's true. So Anakin got angsty and then he went south real fast. <laughs> Just when he was right on the edge, he thought about sand and how much he hated it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess now that I hear you guys talking, mm-hmm. um, the only thing that comes to mind is that really Ezra came to Tatooine, therefore he was not at the base for a given period of time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I wonder yeah. if something could have happened if Ezra was on the base, even though we don't really get any hint that something important may or may not have happened on base while he was gone. So I wonder, well, could, could it have something to do with Maul? Well, I was just you know, gonna, like, like was, he wasn't mm, supposed to cross, like he was maybe, I don't know, like redeemed or later on. So I don't know. It's, it's, it yeah. makes you wonder. Mm, that could true. very well be because you know, would, would because he you see, met up differently? You know, I don't know. Yeah. You see Kenobi not wanting to fight him right at first. And that's, you know, I mean, when we get into the duel, we'll talk about that, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's not his initial inclination to fight him. Right. 
So perhaps mm. Maul had a had a destiny beyond that encounter, but that encounter forced uh, his death. Because Kenobi's definitely not happy about the mm-hmm. result of it, right? You know, he's not gloating. He's not. You know, this is like a. You know, this is a rematch thirty years in the making. <laughs> um, you, you sort of feel you like know? like Kenobi uh, was sort of resigned to do that, especially mm-hmm. as Maul mm-hmm. was figuring out mm-hmm. that he was protecting someone. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, and that's the moment that, that it changes. The lightsaber's mm-hmm. not even out on Kenobi's yep, side right. until that, yep. and then it's, it's like, face, oh, okay. like it's, he gets he gets the furrowed brow, like, oh no, you don't. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Well, since you know that, now I gotta right. take you. <laughs> Do you guys? Can I just, just for a sec, just to rewind back? I mean, it's connected to the what I brought up earlier. Wanted to ask about the their relationship because you know, like, like the opening scene. I, I just, you know, and, and it's funny because on um, I have it up here. It's great on um, Star Wars dot fandom dot com. You know, mm-hmm. and it's I love the the image they use and like the first thing under plot summary is the desolation of Maul. Which, of course, made me think of the desolation of smog, but different. But, but, but what the note I wrote down, actually, here's another connection. Was I just? It's like the first note I wrote for this when I was rewatching it was Maul equals Captain Ahab. Like he's just yeah. like the only one Kenobi is is like Maul's like great white. Like he just has yeah. to like you know I've, I've got to find him. And well, it's and he just this brings that absolute up in, obsession. In the, in the fight, he brings it up. He says, yeah. "Oh, it's the apprentice." He calls him the apprentice. You know, and it's yeah. like, whoa, hold on, you're still there. Like this is right. this is way down the line mm. from that moment but that's yeah that's still that moment for you so. and, it, and it's like you know I, this is where I, I mentioned i was going to mention lord of the rings because it's just i've always loved like of everything i've ever read and watched i just don't think anybody got the psychology of sin and temptation better than tolkien with that ring you know right. and with Gollum and the whole idea of like so for me i see this like as you know all these different things that have happened to him all all these terrible things he's done like so yeah terrible things have been done to him but he's still responsible for his choices you know mm-hmm. Um, but somehow he's, he's fixated on, like, he's put all of it onto Kenobi, you know, like, like Obi-Wan is like, so like, he's poured all of this, like attention and focus. And it's just this obsession on this, like, I gotta get this guy. Cause he hurt me a long time ago. And it's like, dude, like you, you've hurt a lot more people. I mean, like you've, you've done far worse things to many more people than what he did to you, even cutting you in half, you know, right. um, not, not to mention that that's something yeah. that. It almost freed Maul from right. the bond that he was in to the Sith Lord he was under. Right. And, and you look at what he made of himself from then and you, and you just watch. Yeah. The, it's such a tragic figure that, that oh, he's, yeah. he's remade himself so many times yep. and, and has come out on top every time in a yep. very big way, in a very galaxy defining way. And yep. still his singular obsession is finding Obi-Wan to get well, revenge and and that's what's so funny is because even when 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 obi-wan quote-unquote wins that's i i heard i forget who it was i heard somebody point this out i thought it was a really good point that like even as he's dying like okay like you're done dude like it's it's you know <laughs> here it is here's the end missions plans schemes it's all done what are you going to do and like his dying words are about now like okay well this kid can get revenge for us mm-hmm. right so it's like, so he almost feels like reconciled to Obi-Wan. Like, okay, well done. You know, okay, you're a worthy opponent. You know, I, like we're connected. So this kid's going to get revenge for us. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's like, there's more than revenge, you know, but he, he just can't, can't get beyond that. It, yeah. It's almost a, a personification of resentment or personification of unforgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I yeah. mean, uh, George Lucas, you know, 
created Maul to look like Satan. I mean, that's <laughs> that's pretty blatant, you know. But yeah. so I mean, but he's that, even said it. Like has on, it has one he, of the behind the scenes documentaries. Yeah, I've um, seen him talk about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so like I mean, and, but you just see that play out. Like his his desire for for revenge and that that lack of forgiveness is is on display in his person, but also in in how he acts and his motivation and um his kind of unhinged personality. Um, at at one point, uh, when when Maul and Kenobi are talking here too, I I, I wrote it down because it was it was great. Was uh, Kenobi says to Maul. If you define yourself by your power to take life, to dominate, to possess, then you have nothing. I sort of felt oh like my... that was a proverb almost. Oh um, my gosh, yeah. guys, I'm going to connect it to Charles Dickens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we need a write... fan to keep track of how many illusions we've made. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't write this down. No, I, I, as Father's saying that, I thought of remembering Christmas Carol when... Uh, when uh, there's that that heartbreaking scene, you know, with with Scrooge and his, um, I guess it was his wife. I don't. There, I've never been too clear on that, but I gather that they were they were married. But and now she's dowerless and all this kind of stuff. And she she mentions to him that the heartbreaking line about how he measures he measures everything by gain. Yeah. You know, so like the whole like the whole metric for life itself is is gain, and it's like that's just the wrong one. You know, so like, so for Maul, it, it doesn't matter who, you know, who the master is, who the apprentice is, what the the government is, the law. It's just everything is always his, his, his fundamental, you know, sort of perspective is flawed. Yeah. Um, I, since you brought that up, I, I did also wrote that, that line down father. And, um, I kind of saw this as two masters, you know, like, Maul being, I mean, he called himself old master in that arc that we just went Mm -hmm. over a few weeks ago. And then, you know, master Kenobi. And it's like the, the yin and the yang or, you know, what have you, it's the two opposites of what, what makes you a master, you know, what, Mm -hmm. um, what Kenobi has mastered um, versus what Maul has made himself the master of, Very you know, cool. and has again, like dominated and wanted to possess. Um, and just like as a real world sort of application, it made me really think, you know, that line that Obi-Wan says, how you define yourself. It's like nowadays we have this lack of role models. I think, mm. you know, like in the Jedi order, you had these masters who were like the people that you look up to. And nowadays we have such a lack of that. Like, how do you define yourself? I think a lot of people, especially younger people, but people of all ages, you know, who am I? How do I define who I am? And nowadays, mm-hmm. a lot of us are defining ourselves by what we have and who do we, you know, one up in that, you know, online debate or whatever. And, and the knowledge that we kind of possess that we can sort of, I mean, there's all different ways, you know, that you can put your own spin on it. But I really just thought about that whole concept um, Mm -hmm. as applying to us today. I couldn't help but think of scripture as well. Um, The uh, St. Paul, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 13, uh, verse 2 
And if I have the gift of prophecy and comprehend all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. So like, you know, if you have all these things, if you have the power to take life, to dominate, and you want to define yourself by, by all the, the things that you accumulate or have, but you don't have love, then like, and perhaps Kenobi was referring to this when he said, then you have nothing. But I mean, the same thing is true. Mm. Without love, we we right. have nothing. And then, and it plays out in their their lightsaber duel too, because Maul is interested only in killing. That's mm-hmm. his entire objective is to get revenge and to to kill. And uh, Obi Wan's only objective is to defend. It's out of love that he lights up his lightsaber, not even for himself yeah. at that point. It's he's he's not even trying to defend himself. It's not until Maul mentions. Uh, Luke mm-hmm. that he pulls the lightsaber out and he's like okay well now now we have to fight mm-hmm. well, and just like Luke when, when Vader pushes the uh, the Leia button mm-hmm. in, re- in Return of the exactly, Jedi same yeah. thing you know it's it's not revenge it's you know disarming well literally in that case <laughs> disarming <laughs> your, your, your opponent you know uh, and that's that's good you know the just war theory all that stuff we've talked about too before yeah. like how far do you have to go you know, when you are applying fours and that kind of thing, you know, and, and, uh, um, yeah, I, I still, and Fonda, you mentioned that too. I, I, I really, it's so fast. I had to watch it. Like maybe Thomas has seen it cause he's watched it. <laughs> you know, and Angela, how many would you as, 20 or as 30 a fencer also. too? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. well, yeah, I hadn't thought of it yet. So, but Great I finally, I finally saw him going for like the face smack, you know, from episode yeah. one. And that's the moment where he's like, Nope, no, you don't, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's so quick. So mm-hmm. quick. I, I will point out uh, just briefly that I, I did notice and I assumed this would happen, but Maul was the one to attack that right. Kenobi mm-hmm. wasn't the one to, to make the first swing. Well, again, the contrast and I just watched episode one last week, you know, because I haven't seen it in a long time. And, you know, I love like like you and McGregor's body language. Like you can tell how much and I, I love all the behind the scenes stuff. You guys have seen all of it, too. I'm sure, but like, you know, you and McGregor and Ray Parks prep for that. You know, and they're just so into it, you know, and um, but watching him like every time you watch it and it cuts back from the battle and he's standing behind that red race shield and he's just like hopping, you know, mm-hmm. like he's just ready to to go. And the moment that thing comes down, he's just right at him. And it's like such a contrast that here you jump this character ahead, you know, 30 plus years and all that's happened to him since then. And here the two of them are again. And it's just so different. You know, mm-hmm. it's so cool to watch those two scenes back to back. Well, and because in, in the initial one, it was Obi-Wan who was going for revenge. Yeah. You know, that's, <laughs> it, yeah. He, he wasn't even defending himself at that point. He was just nope. trying to get revenge for Qui-Gon going down. Yeah. And so you've got a complete shift in them. And I thought this is a, a really from, from a from a fencer's perspective and from somebody who knows way too much about Star Wars, um, <laughs> watching what happens with Obi-Wan here, uh, the sword forms that he's using. Uh, so his mm-hmm. typical sword form is holding the sword back and pointing kind of at his target. And that's uh, indicative of him using form four, which is the kind of acrobatic, more active uh, stance, which would be the same form that uh, Maul uses in the in the fighting. Did he, he just real quick comes, did, did he do that? Was it with Grievous? I think the scene in episode yes. three, he really yep. pronounced. Oh, right. OK, yeah, yeah. he does. Right. He does all the sword back and right. fingers out. And so it's a, it's a very common one you'll see throughout the Clone Wars. You see him use that stance. Okay. And he stopped in this mm-hmm. one. He stopped that. Right, right, right. And then he shifted. He shifted his weight, moved back, and then set the, set the saber back 
upright uh, behind him, you know, in, in, a, in a kind of defensive stance. And that's form three, which is the defensive stance. That's the, right. the design of form three is to be very defensive. And that is the same form that he uses against Vader on the Death Star. Yes. And so so this is the moment where Obi-Wan switches. And, well, and didn't Qui-Gon use that, so too? You know, in episode one, doesn't he kind of? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he he's does, like, he okay, does, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. He does a defense stance. Yeah, because once he gets once he gets uh, squared off by himself, he switches into that stance to be right, able to, right, right. to defend himself. Wow. And yeah, so it's watching this like when you when you start to learn a little bit more about the stances and how they work and how the Jedi would use them, uh, it it really makes like this scene is a beautiful scene because you see the that final moment of growth in Obi Wan where he's not he's not fighting to win he's fighting to defend and so what he does is he just shifts back into that defensive stance and that's what kind of wins the day for him mm. i think that all points to obi-wan's focus he's very focused on his mission and all of the dialogue that we see you know as i was i was literally writing down all these lines and just circling things where obi-wan is talking about like when he tells ezra um, you know, that he's been deceived, that he's, that um, you have everything you need, but you seem mm-hmm. to be letting it all go. And um, you, you're here where you never should have been. And just, he's almost coaching him about, you know, you need to focus on what your mission is. What is your calling? What is your vocation? Oh. And um, because you can see in everything and he, Obi-Wan just embodies this man on a mission. Like uh, he knows exactly what to do and not do based upon, you know, he makes those decisions based upon that mission. And so um, that's one of the things that really caught me and just, you know, everything that we've been talking about with temptation, you know, Mike, that you were saying where it reminds us too, like we have those distractions, you know, with our own vocation, with our own calling that um, can can draw us off of that path. And to me, it was just so inspiring to see Obi-Wan. I mean, again, he's my favorite character in Star Wars, but to see him again here in that light and to really be like, yeah, I want to be like that. You know, I want to have that sense of purpose and intention um, because you can tell that he's so at peace with himself and his, his um, just his life, you know, his, his, his place in the universe and in the force. And so, um, yeah, that was, that was one thing that I wanted to point out. And then another thing, since we've kind of gotten deep into the encounter with these two is at the very beginning when Maul and Obi-Wan first kind of encounter each other, Maul says, look what what's become of you, a rat in the desert. And Obi-Wan says, look what I have risen above. Mm-hmm. And um, in addition to that being for me, something that again points to him being focused on his place and everything It also reminded me of how going back to the classical motifs and and Maul being like this demon and we're in the desert and Obi-Wan is like this Christ figure that you really see Maul as sort of like the accuser. Like that's one of the the names for Satan. Right. And so he's like, look, what's become of you? You know, you're just a rat out here. And and instead, Obi-Wan says, look what I have risen above. It's almost like, you know, 
how we can kind of allow ourselves to get caught up in those patterns of thoughts. Like when we are trapped in, oh, like getting down on ourselves and look what I did wrong and look at what I'm stuck in. But, you know, Obi-Wan is sort of that model of like how God sees us, you Mm -hmm. know, like look at what I've risen above. And again, for me, that was sort of like, man, I want to be like Obi-Wan, you know, to be able to say that about myself in those moments, those pivotal moments of your life, you know, where you're at this place of, of conflict or, or you have to make a decision, whatever it is. So anyway, those were kind of like my deeper theme notes since um, we're throwing all those out. <laughs> well, if, if I may, just before I forget real quick, Angela, because um, I'm reminded of, you know, the, the Mark Twain quote, you know, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. Because I didn't think of this till just now, but um, isn't that a lot like that scene in um, The Force Awakens, right? When Kylo Ren says to Lord Santeca, look how old you've become. And he's mm-hmm. like, something far worse has happened to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's like a little bit of the same, you know, a little bit of that, that idea of, of you know, oh, you're old or you're, you know, just this, you're just that. It's this, this reductionist, diminishing, accusing mm-hmm. kind of like that's, the, it's the same voice, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when the reality is, no, there's something you're, what you're into is a lot worse. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Uh, well, and, and if you go back and look at why Maul is not able to find him on the planet and you, you realize Obi-Wan knows he's there. So what Obi-Wan's been doing is avoiding him. Right. So Obi-Wan right. knew the moment he came onto the planet, he knew Maul was there and he knew he could have gone and confronted him. And, but he kept avoiding him, kept avoiding him, kept avoiding him until it was impossible to anymore with this, this moment with Ezra. Uh-huh. And and so I, I think, you know, to go back to your question about, you know, what what changed really, that's probably what changed uh, is, uh-huh. is now he has to come into confrontation with Maul and that's going to end Maul's arc prematurely to what uh-huh. Obi-Wan was hoping for. I wonder even if, if Maul would have like died in the desert. And, you know, it also reminds me a little of, you know, that conversation Ahsoka. This was, of course, later than after this episode. But when Ahsoka and Rex, you know, have that conversation and, and he's talking about how. Like all those guys want to kill you. And, and she's you know, basically saying like, they're not going to die by my hand like that. Just mm-hmm. like, yes, that might happen. But I don't you know, I don't want to be the one that does it. I wonder right. if mm-hmm. even something as simple as that, like Obi-Wan's like, he's going to die in the desert. He's going to leave whatever. But I don't want to like, I don't want that memory. I don't want that act, you know, even if it's defense, you know. I want to go back to uh, Angela, your 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 points earlier, because I think that those were in incredibly insightful um with the whole notion of vocation and and so um mm. you know uh, with i i just it makes me even more excited to see the kenobi series now because mm-hmm. we get to see that that growth from where he ended um after episode three and and how he gets to become so peaceful and you know engaged in his mission uh but what i what i was thinking about as you were talking was um you know he is incredibly peaceful being in his mission in his vocation um versus someone like Ezra or perhaps you know any number of us you know when we sort of have the the grand ideas that I want to I want to change the world or or you know I want to do amazing things and those desires are are very good and and you know Ezra wants to do that too but there's also there's almost there's more grace in living out the vocation no matter how small it is and living that well so like obi-wan mm-hmm. is completely peaceful 
living out his vocation to protect Luke, even though the rebellions happen around him, even though everybody is wondering, well, if, you know, he's probably on some backwater world, why, you know, why isn't he joining the rebellion? He's incredibly peaceful doing what he is called to do. And mm-hmm. he's not worried about, uh, you know, things that, that he, he can't really be a part of. Um, you know, so it, it, that's just a, that's a reminder to all of us that, that having this, the desire to, to change the world in great and amazing ways is a very, very good desire. But what's more important is to find out the vocation and the call that we have individually and to live that out well. And often that isn't quite as grandiose as we might think. Right. Right. Um, you know, being a good dad, being a good mom, uh, is an amazing vocation that has tremendous impact. Um, you know, and for, for some it's, it's, it's different, of course, being a priest or, um, you know, or just doing our work well, you know, whatever, whatever it is, loving well. Yeah. I, I was just going to say that I work for a ministry full time and a lot of times people ask us like, well, how can I fix my family? Like, how can I, how can I get them to be at peace or loving each other or forgiving each other or whatever? And it's like, just do that in your family. Like start there, Mm -hmm. like start with you. You know, it's that whole old adage that Michael Jackson used, you know, the man in the mirror type of thing. Um, but the change you wish to see. (laughs) Yes. Be the change you wish to see. And, and that truly does make a huge difference. Cause if you think about all the things that really, really impacted why you make the decisions that you make and why you are as loving as you are, or why you are as fill in the blank, you know, good positive thing is probably because you learned how to love from somebody else. And probably because right. you were forgiven by somebody else or mm-hmm. what, whatever that is. So that is just so, so under undervalued because it is more, um, it is more, I guess, fancy and glittery and, and glitzy and, and you're, you know, to be the popular sort of like, you know, famous, you know, whatever it is, have the cool job and have the whatever, you know, but, but ultimately that's not the important thing. Well, we can't, we can't change other people. We can only change ourselves. I was reminded of the quote where there is no love, put love and you will find love. You know, so if you want to, if you want to change the world, I mean, it, it starts with looking inward and changing our hearts for sure. I appreciate Kenobi's (laughs) example. And then in three seconds, the duels are over. Like right. Just boom. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the beautiful thing about this episode. You know, that's the beautiful (laughs) thing about this episode. It's like all of this, this is all discussion that we have just from, from the, the subtle lead up to the duel. And you're like, you get to the duel and you're like, yeah, there's going to be this fight. And then there's, it's, that's it. If I get quarantined again, I'm going to do some music editing over it and just like kick off the duel of the fates and then just abruptly (laughs) cut it. Cause it's (laughs) okay. All right. (laughs) Just Uh, runs out. Like guys, we've got 20 minutes of this song, (laughs) but I, I did it. It helped me at least um, understand it better when uh, Dave Filoni talked about, um, those who are skilled at fighting fights don't last long. Oh yeah. So, so this, this, you know, as, as short as it was, it, it contains in those five seconds, just a story of growth 
of Maul and Kenobi, or growth in Kenobi and, and change in Maul, as we pointed out earlier. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the point of fighting is to stop the fight. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the point. I thought it was yeah. to run around and hit swords together. For a point, right? <laughs> I mean, I love like, when, you, when you look so really you close at someone, you try it. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. 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 So, so once you, once you learn how to fight, you, you realize that. And, and, and what you see there is they, they stare at each other for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I, I can tell you from experience standing on, uh, you know, one end of a, uh, of a fencing line, uh, looking at someone else, uh, you, you play the whole fight out mm-hmm. and then you do exactly what you think is going to work. They do exactly what they think is going to work. And one of the two things is the right thing. And, <laughs> and that's it. And, and that's pretty much how it goes and and you see these two squaring off with each other and maul sitting there thinking i bet i can do exactly the same thing to him that i did to his master and mm-hmm. everyone's sitting there thinking i bet he's going to try and do the same thing that he did to qui-gon and they were both <laughs> you know they both tried their thing and obi-wan came out on top <laughs> well and and even you know that it's painful every time i watch it but the whole like don't try it anakin you know like yeah and you just <laughs> it's like don't don't and okay you know, like exactly what I did, except this is what Maul should have done, you know, because that, of course, is like the pivotal move in, in that fight. You know, I have to point out that, yes, the, the point of fighting is to stop the fight. But in terms of Star Wars, also <laughs> the point of fighting is to watch the awesome choreographed sword or the right. lightsaber battles. I love when you can see on their faces so clear, like, you know, because we've seen these so many times that you can see so clearly like that. It's it's so rehearsed, you know, yeah. some of them more than others. And like you see them kind of going for like the spot they've rehearsed a thousand times, you know, and it's, it's I, just fun. I yeah. remember watching, I, I want to say it was like behind the scenes from episode two and seeing uh, Ewan McGregor with those metal sticks <laughs> that they would use. But but how <laughs> bent those sticks get yes. after their practice sessions. Yeah. They, yeah. The guy they, like, goes off they to the really side and like sticks heart, it in yeah. and like grabs yeah. it back yeah it's oh my gosh incredible the amount of of training that they have to go through for that just to choreograph the one the one lightsaber battle scene i'm not saying so there's so many things i'm like huh <laughs> <laughs> quick side note the, the star, I, I, the star we'll trek as, reference i was oh, oh. <laughs> as, as far as lightsabers as far as lightsaber yeah. fights go the the best fights in star wars are the ones that tell a story with mm-hmm. the fight so right. Uh, you know the right. iconic fight of, of Vader versus Luke in Empire, uh, mm. when you, Vader's just every stroke is just powerful and driving, and Luke's is just quick and dodging and trying to stay alive because he has no idea what he's doing. Uh, you know that it just it tells the story of of this this character that is in their full strength. Uh, fighting against this this character that is still not trying to figure out where they fit into everything, and. that's where and this is one of those fights where you see the two uh characters play their play to their strength as a character outside of lightsaber fighting inside of that fight in a microcosm and you get that 30 years worth of uh you know worth of struggle between the two of them uh you finally get that climactic conclusion and it was foregone it was already done like Mm -hmm. it, it already happened long ago long before they got to that point where they lit up the lightsabers that mm-hmm. that battle was already finished. I want to hear your Star Trek reference. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, to me, it's the, very, the very beginning, you know, has, has anybody seen? I, I haven't yet, but if someone hasn't done this yet, someone should uh, like a side by side mashup with uh, 
because here's your moment. I feel like with with Maul screaming Kenobi at the top of his lungs and and Kirk screaming Khan, <laughs> you know, just get them right there. Because I thought of it. Right? I just started like I almost I was like sipping something and I almost spit it out. Like I don't know why that popped in there. Like, Kenobi. I was like God. I was just like there. That's oh, that'd be great. That's 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 where the series come together. That moment. That's <laughs> like the picture of Lucas and, and Gene Rodbury shaking hands. <laughs> you know, like 1987 or something like that's the <laughs> that's the moment anything else that you guys want to add between that relationship there's really not much of the episode left so no. i mean yeah <laughs> no the i mean my final note was how did chopper survive a ride across the desert on a dewback without falling off that was my, <laughs> my he, last he question. has uh he has those uh <laughs> repulsor lift uh things <laughs> Well, they said he's like the family cat, right? Like R2 is the dog and the is the cat. So, you know, it's like, like find a couple spot up there. there. I looked for a seatbelt and I didn't find one. So that's why I asked. He doesn't seem like a seatbelt wearer. No. <laughs> that's, for, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. So the, the episode does end with, uh, with them getting back to, to Chopper Base uh, in Maul's ship, uh, which was, which was a, yeah. cool, a cool thing there. Um, and, and Ezra, Ezra apologizes to the family for running away and tells Heron Kanan that, uh, that this is where he's supposed to be, which has a whole new connotation now after having that whole discussion on vocation, mm -hmm. maybe he picked up that, that, yeah, his vocation is to be, uh, there with, with, uh, Hera and Kanan and, and the rest of the crew and, and not worry about what else is happening where he, he can't really do anything anyway. Um, he says that, that they're his family and, and that they should go home. And so they're preparing for, uh, the attack on Lethal. And then the very end has, has a, a cool nod to, to a new hope. Uh, Kenobi, uh, rides close enough to hear Aunt Beru calling for Luke. And, and we see Luke kind of running, running across the, the horizon, uh, in response to her call. And, uh, the force theme or binary sunset as the actual kind of, uh, the the track on the 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 soundtrack um is played mm -hmm. cool lead up into into a new hope i think too the the it did officially say i just checked that this episode is supposed to be two uh before two years before the battle of yavin so okay luke's so, what yeah. se seven seventeen he's, you know like, yeah. so we're close but not yeah not quite there he's got his micro machine chips that he's he's playing with right now <laughs> <laughs> And I think, well, he and Ezra, I guess they're probably about the same age, right? Because wasn't Ezra born on Empire Day? He you was. Know, like I think they say at one point, and yep. that's, I think, more or less when Luke and Leia are born yep. or yeah. close mm -hmm. to it. So, yeah, I guess they're they're right about the same. Any other final random movie connections, TV other connections? <laughs> <laughs> I really my want daughter, somebody daughter, to count all of them. <laughs> no, <it's> a... <laughs> oh, gosh, don't bring in the Russians. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> my My daughter complained, like, he got cut in half and fell down a hole, and this is what kills him. That was the, that was the big complaint about the fight from her. Uh, <laughs> like, like you, you know, I don't, you don't even really see the wound. I don't think, you know. So, yeah. Someone, someone was pointing out that they they wondered if that was because this is an animated show, and um, yeah, you know, so it's kid friendly. Because I, because I, I had to rewatch it multiple times, and I couldn't couldn't really see a wound, and but it's heavily implied. Okay, well, I think that is it from from all of us. I think. I'm sorry. I was just like, it's heavily implied. It's like, yeah, he died. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
<laughs> heavily implied that he got a wound. Yeah, it's true. I would say that. <laughs> it's gonna yeah. turn into the Monty Python thing. <laughs> the, it's black, only a flesh wound. the black knight, you know, with the black. Back <laughs> here, <laughs> that would be a great cosplay. If somebody really did like great. a Black Knight and Mall crossover, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just merely a flesh wound. <laughs> Come back here, uh, I'll bite your legs off. You have somebody like with a wheelbarrow, and like you just dress it so it's, you just see from your torso oh, up, and you're just along. <laughs> Father's just going, please don't, no, don't do that. I, I really wouldn't be surprised if people have done that though. Like, I'm going to look it up as soon as we're there, done. Yeah. There are some pretty ingenious cosplays out there. Oh my goodness! Total side note, but there's a, uh, uh, there there's someone in a an electronic wheelchair that built a Dalek casing around themselves, and really? went around. <laughs> a, yeah, so people are incredibly creative. I am I am not that creative. Okay, before any other tangents, I think I think that's where we need to to close this episode for for this evening. So. Listeners, uh, what did you think of the of this episode of, of Star Wars Rebels and uh, the encounter with, with Maul and Kenobi? And definitely let us know by emailing us or commenting on our Facebook um, or on our Twitter page and let us know. And you can email us at starwars at sqpn.com and you can find StarQuest on Facebook at facebook.com slash starquestmedia and on Twitter at sqpn. And we would like to take a moment now to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Wars, including Nathan C., Hugh P., Scott M., Rob P., and Julie L. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for, for us to continue the secrets of Star Wars and all the shows that we make here at StarQuest. And please, if you feel like you would like to join them, you can do so by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And of course, be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or you can follow us on the SQPN YouTube channel. Just be sure to click the bell to receive notifications. And you can find any of our previous episodes at sqpn.com slash Star Wars. And we will be back in two weeks when we will continue in Star Wars Rebels by reviewing Season 4, Episode 13, A World Between Worlds. That one should be a really fun one to do, so mm -hmm. stay tuned for that. Until next time, uh, Angela Cialana, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Wars. My pleasure. Thanks, y'all. Thomas Sanherjo, thanks for joining us this evening. It was nice to be back. And Mike Creevy, thanks for joining us tonight as well. Can't wait till next time. And once again, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. <laughs>